when the music fades. All is stripped away. And I simply come longing just to bring something that's of worth that will touch your heart. I'll bring you more than a song for a song in itself is not what you have required. You search much deeper within through the way things appear. You're looking into my heart. I'm coming back to the heart of worship. And it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made it when it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. The Bible says that about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying, and and they sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. Christians have marveled for years at, at this set of verses. Truly, one of the most picturesque scenes in the Bible Paul and Silas in that prison singing. We can imagine that, that miserable prison. We can smell the stench in the air. We can sense the misery of that terrible, terrible place. And sometimes we can feel the chains. And we wonder, what did Paul and Silas sing? What did that tune sound like? You know, it's got a great entry line. Quartets and singers and groups, they'll get up there and they'll say, and at midnight, that's, that's a great entry line, right, to a song. It's awesome. Catches your attention, doesn't it? But we wonder what that song sounded like. We wonder how it sounded. We sometimes forget that Paul and Silas had just been severely beaten. Flogged is the word. Man, it just doesn't sound good, does it? Flogged. It hardly feels like a reason to sing. I don't know. Maybe the song sounds different than we imagine. I don't know. We imagine the scene, we think about the prayer, and we try to imagine the words and the melody of the song. 
But sometimes, sometimes we forget the most important part of the story because the first part is so catchy. The most important part of those verses comes last when it says in the Bible, and the prisoners heard them. That's, that's, that's the heart of the story right there. The, the prisoners heard them singing and, and praising God. And it's powerful stuff. They sang in misery. They sang in praise. They sang in praise of their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. They sang because they knew Jesus. <laughs> they had been beaten for leading a slave girl to the Lord. They rescued a girl, a young woman, who had been mistreated. And for that, they were flogged and thrown into prison. And still they worshipped. Still they prayed. Still they praised. And the other prisoners heard them. Get rid of these things. They're heavy. Chains can be heavy, right? You ever carried some? I do all the time. A good speaker wouldn't need props. What does our song sound like this morning? What does our song sound like? The world is watching, and the world is is listening. And when they look at us, what do they see? When they listen to us, what do they hear? And when they examine our testimony, what does our testimony say? I'm not going to hold the punch. I'm, I'm going to hit you hard this morning, guys. I'm not preaching at you. I'm preaching at me. I'm the one that needs to hear this the most. We all, myself included, we tend to serve God when it's easy. I used to always joke, I want, the, uh, I want to go in the mission field in Hawaii. That's where I want God to put me in the mission field. I certainly don't want God to put me in the mission field Paul and Silas were in. I'm not that tough. But we want to serve God when it's easy. I saw this week that Trey is coaching soccer. Any of you ever fell into this? I, I coached soccer once, once, once. And I, and I showed up to sign up youngest Virginia, who's not athletic. And they said, we need a coach. And I said, I know nothing about soccer. I don't want to coach soccer. Well, they kept talking, and, and you, some of you have said this. Well, I'll, uh, I'll help someone. If you can find someone, and you can't find anybody else, I'll help someone, right? And about two weeks later, they show up at my house with a bag full of the stuff and all the balls and all that, and say, you, you're the coach, you know? You've all ended up that way. Um, when Trey asked me to do this speaking, I had just stood right over there and I told him that another fellow was driving me crazy to speak and other people were asking me to speak and I had told him I'm not going to do that for a while because I'm not ready. I'm not ready. And I was explaining to Trey my reasoning and he says, 
That's going to make my next question kind of difficult. (laughs) Because I'd like for you to speak for me at church on the 15th. How do you say no to Trey, right? How do you say no to Trey? I'm going to get this out of the way of my life right now, man. I don't really feel much like being up here. But in recent days, in recent days, it seems to start to be revealed to me that it's becoming clear, but just because I'm a little miserable right now, the reasons that there are for me to serve my Lord have not gone away. Just because Joe don't feel like doing it, the reasons that I do the things I do have not gone away. The young people in this world still need a savior. The young people I've always served still need to hear prayer. They still need to hear praise and they still need to hear a song to the Lord. And they are listening. They are listening. And they still need Jesus. Tracy talked about pride this morning. Any of you prideful? Certainly, I wouldn't be prideful, would I? During these trials that I've gone through, I've been recently reminded of how I used to stand before groups of people and pridefully say the words of the prophet Jeremiah. One of my, he's the weeping prophet. Anybody know why he's kind of one of my faves, the weeping prophet? <laughs> kind of validates me just a little bit. But I would stand before people when I had it made. And, and, I, would, and I, would, I would quote the prophet Jeremiah and I would proudly say, but if I say that I will not mention him nor speak anymore in his name, his word is in my heart like a fire, a, a fire shut up in my bones and I'm weary of holding it in. Indeed, I cannot. Man, I was so full of confidence. Sounds so much different today. But it still means the same. Because if I say I will not mention him or or speak anymore in his name, no matter how much I don't feel like it, his word is in my heart. It is kind of like a fire right now. It's kind of a flickering little flame. But it is in my bones. And I'm not going to be able to hold it in forever because I just can't. So Christians, excuse me for all this snot. Dory, this belongs to you. I'll give it right back to you after church, all right? What is our role in this world? How are we to conduct ourselves? What should our lives represent? Servants like Paul and Jeremiah, they endured so much to share God's message to the world. And, and sometimes, I'm, and when I speak of the church, I'm not speaking of First Baptist Church. I'm speaking of the church, the big church. Uh, sometimes it feels like we've forgotten our commission. And, and we, it seems like sometimes we're becoming confused about the role of what the born-again Christian is supposed to look like in this world and what, what we're supposed to represent we, we seem to be confused about that these days. We, we, remember, we, we need to remember what Paul and Jeremiah were driven by. And it's simply that. 
one simple thought. See, I'm not very bright. I've got to keep things pretty simple. The world needs Jesus. Everything should point to that statement. The world needs Jesus. Don't make this Christianity thing more complicated than it is. The Bible is the greatest book ever written. It's got stuff in there for really, really, really smart people. And it's got a whole lot of stuff for people like me. And it's, it's not that hard. It's not that hard. Jesus told us when, when he met with the 11, after he, had, after he had risen from the grave and he met with the 11 before he was to ascend to heaven, he met with them and, and he told them, the Bible says when they saw Jesus, they worshipped him. And then the next part's kind of catchy too. They worshipped him. This is a line we forget. And some doubted. I just thought that's interesting. They're meeting with the risen Jesus. Some worshipped him. Some doubted. Any different from us today? Any different from me from minute to minute? Sometimes I'm worshipping. Sometimes I'm doubting. They worshipped him. Some doubted. And Jesus said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given unto me. Therefore go. Therefore go. And make disciples of all nations baptizing him in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the age. It ain't hard. It's pretty simple stuff. Pretty simple stuff. So... What do we miss about serving our Lord that Paul understood? So you men, don't be mad at me. Uh, you, you guys that are big on the order of things, don't be mad at me. My heroes in the church have always been women. Always. Specifically, senior adult Christian women. This church is blessed with a bunch of them. God designed the system for men to be the workhorses, but dudes, we ain't kept up our end of the bargain as for long as I've been alive anyway. Some of us do, so don't take offense. But when it comes to the workhorses of the church, the, the people who serve, it's often the senior adult Christian women. When I'm looking for an earthly hero as a coach, I look to Coach Cork. When I look to heroes about how to serve in the church, it's senior adult Christian women. And it's because of the word that I, it's a, it's a beautiful, horrible word that's in the Bible. It's called long-suffering. Long it's a beautiful, horrible word. <laughs> but Christian women, adult, senior adult Christian women, are the greatest examples of long-term service and faith. And it's just a great example. And, and I just, I'm sorry, I've got to point it out. I've got to point it out. I wish I was like them. I can be passionate about the things that I feel passionate about. For years, I would bring things home from practice. And I would go on and on and on about them to Christy. And and she would stop me and tell me all the time, Joe, everything in life that's important to you is not always the most important thing to everyone else. Joe, just because it's important to you does not mean everybody else thinks it's important. I heard that a lot. 
I'm still hearing it today. We had a preacher friend in Oblong named Ron Klaus. He preached at the Oblong First Baptist Church. He's just a wonderful man. And, and on the day that Brother Ron went home to be with the Lord, I went home and I told Christy, I said, Brother, Brother Ron has passed away today. And she, her, her immediate response to me was, you know, I, I don't think that I ever heard Brother Ron ever say one thing that I didn't enjoy listening to. Man, what a testimony to a life that, that she, she never knew of one thing he ever said that, 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 that she didn't enjoy listening to. I, I asked her if she felt the same way about me. and uh, <laughs> Not so much. I recently heard a message. I'm skipping around a lot this morning. I recently heard a message from a young man, similar to a young man that maybe you guys listen to preach on a weekly basis here. He put things simply and in perspective, and the message was basically based upon Romans 12, 1 and 2. And the message was really about the part about conforming to this world. In other words, don't, don't conform to this world. I'm going to take a chance. Because in the Bible, it begs us not to conform to this world. It says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And please don't be conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may do what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Once again, pretty simple. It begs us not to conform to this world. Things are simple. I'm going to give you an example of what you already know. Y'all learned this. Y'all learned this long ago. And sometimes we get all complicated and we forget it. You learned what Romans 12, 1 and 2 wants you to know years ago, probably from a senior adult Christian woman who taught you, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Be careful, little ears, what you hear. Be careful, little hands, where you go, what you do. (laughs) Be careful, little feet, where you go. Because there's a father up above who's looking down in love. So be careful with your life, what you do. Exodus, or Exodus, Ephesians 5 says, Be imitators of God, therefore as dearly loved children, and live a life of love, just as Christ loved us, and he gave himself for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So now I'm going to shift gears again. I'm going to be a little judgmental. This is Judgmental Joe. I've nicknamed myself. I, I can be judgmental. So Judgmental Joe is going to come out right here. Uh... Christians, all of us, on that whole conforming thing. Sorry, Dory. Hold it, hold it on that end. Okay. All of us conform. So I'm going to ask you to clear your minds for just a minute and your hearts. Clear your minds and clear your hearts. Can you do that for me? You're lying. I want you to clear your hearts. 
And I want you to clear your minds about what I'm getting ready to say. Because the first word I'm going to say is going to, is, I've already heard it this morning here at, at, from Jim. I've already heard it this morning from my brother Jim. So we can form. And some people think that the church in general, the church in general is conforming to this world. And one of the reasons they say is songs. Did anybody have a thought coming to their mind? I knew you hadn't cleared your hearts and your minds. What songs do we sing? We, we get confused about what the sermon should sound like, how we should dress, whether it should be a big church or a small church or an old school church or a new school's church, and on and on and on. The important part, guys, is to make sure everything we do points towards sharing Jesus with this world. That's it. And, when the, and I want us all to search our hearts this morning, all of us personally now. When the world looks at you, what do their eyes see? When the world looks at you, what do their ears hear? And what do they see our hands doing? And where do they see our feet going? And what does our testimony say to the world? And remember this part. Everything's not about you, Joe. Everything's not about us. It's about them in a world that needs Jesus. So ask yourself these simple questions. Search your heart. Get ready. Search your heart. Do we ever watch things that we should not watch? I do. I do. I watch things I should not watch. It's getting hard not to see them. It's getting hard not to see them. Do we ever go places that we really shouldn't go that aren't good for our testimony? Do we ever go places we shouldn't go? This is the one that I'm going to get a little self-righteous about. But it's not a temptation to me. I don't want to go to those places. Sometimes I end up there because, once again, like watching things that we're out there for us to watch, it's getting harder and harder to find places You know what I'm saying. This world's moving away from the things that we should do, and it's getting harder. Do we ever do things that would just be better if we didn't do them? You know, we reason amongst ourselves. We we lean on our own reasoning as to justify the things that we do sometimes. Do we ever just do things that would just be better for the kingdom of God if we didn't do them? And do we ever laugh at things that we should not laugh at? I do. I can tell you a story. I found myself at a time when I was listening to someone tell a joke, a story, a joke. I'm not sure what it was. It was a funny joke. It was a funny story. It was laced with profanity, bad words. And I was standing there listening to it. And it came to the punchline. And the punchline had a bad word in it that was unnecessary for the joke. But it was pretty prominent the way this person presented the, the joke. And when it got to the punchline, I just laughed and I'm, you know, I'm like my dad. I'm really loud. And, and when I laugh, I laugh too loud and I laugh too hard. And I was just belly laughing to this joke. And I spun around laughing and there's a 15-year-old girl that goes to our church standing there watching me. I didn't laugh much longer. I was mortified. 
I was her worship leader. We used to call this song leader, right? We used to, it didn't sound as haughty when you called it song leader, but today it's worship leader, and we put more emphasis on it. I was her worship leader, man, and she stood right there and watched me do that. I couldn't wait to get back to church on Sunday morning and, and find her and, and apologize to her and just ask for her forgiveness for what she had witnessed, her worship leader. She'd watched me praise. She'd watched me worship. She'd watched me sing. And I led her. And I let her down. So I was begging her for her forgiveness and I was explaining to her how I had a moment of weakness and I, I'm so sorry and, you know, I'm not perfect. And, and she looks at me and goes, what are you talking about? She hadn't even noticed. <laughs> I'd stressed over it all week and she hadn't even noticed, but it doesn't make any difference. It doesn't change things. They're watching. And we need to make sure that we're setting a good example. Now, a lot of you that's been in church a long time, you'll know what I'm talking about. If you haven't gone to church for a long time, you, you, you might not know. So you have to find out later. I ain't got time. I'm going to keep you past lunch. Paul. Y'all remember, he used to be named Saul. And as I prepared this message, it came to me, you know, there was one day when Saul was watching. He watched as the, the disciple Stephen, basically a guy that hired to wait tables because the disciples felt they, like they needed more time. Stephen made a stand, and, and Paul stood in the Bible, and, and he stared and, and nodded in agreement as Stephen was stoned to death. And, and the Bible says that the, the clothes of the witnesses were at Paul's feet. He was an evil, evil, evil man. It's one of the coldest stories you ever hear of how he could be so mean. He was a persecutor of Christians. But very soon after, Jesus changed his life, didn't he? And he's the subject of my message this morning. And I got a feeling... Jesus took the guilt and sin of Paul's life away when he came to know him. But you know Paul never forgot that day. You know he never forgot that day. Would you have? (sighs) About eight bucks at Real King. What did I snot on? Okay. Should have practiced this part. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and they sang unto God. And the other prisoners heard them. We sing songs based on this, right? Anybody know what song I'm going to sing next? My chains are gone. 
We sing it in church, one of my favorite songs. Love to worship and sing, My Chains Are Gone. Had a friend that used to request it all the time, and, and he would praise and sing that song, and that would just touch my heart. And then one time I sat out in the pew and heard him. Oh, my goodness. I couldn't carry a tune in a bucket, so it kind of it kind of broke my 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 <laughs> it kind of broke my so I just tried to pretend I'd never heard that before and watching praise and sing it before. We sing, "My chains are gone." It's based on this story. If you know it, sing it with me. Just the chorus. My chains are gone. I've been set free. My God, my Savior, has ransomed me. And like a flood, His mercy reigns. Unending love, amazing grace. What did Paul know that we should know? It's not about us. It's about Jesus. You know, we quote a lot of Paul's lines. Um, what's the one? Um, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You know, we quote that. But there's more to the story than that. There's a, there's a line that you'll recognize in a minute about what I'm about to read to you in closing that you'll recognize very well. I want you to be listening for it. But near the end of Paul's ministry, he's old and he's back in prison. He's he's back in chains, all for sharing the gospel. And winter's coming. Winter's coming. And he's cold. I would say for you guys, you know, just recently, winter came in my life. And he asked Timothy to bring him a coat. And in many ways, your hugs, your, your love, the things that you shared with me during my tough times, you, winter came in my life. You brought, me, you brought me warmth. I appreciate that. But Paul writes to Timothy in his misery, and he asked to Timothy, he says, man, winter's coming. I want you to bring me my coat. Paul writes this to Timothy, but he could be writing it to First Baptist Church too. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct. Rebuke. And encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine. And instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside into myths. But you, keep your head in all situations. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Discharge all the duties of your ministry. For I am already being poured out like a drink offering. 
and the time has come for my departure. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. And now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. So, Timothy, do your best to come to me quickly. Only Luke is with me. And Timothy, (laughs) the cloak, the cloak that I left at Troas with Carpus, when thou comest, please bring it with me, and the books, but especially the parchments. At my first answer, no man stood with me, but all men forsook me. I pray, God, I pray to God that it may not be held to their charge. Notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me, and he strengthened me, and by me the preaching might be fully known, that all the Gentiles might hear, and I was delivered out of the mount mouth of the lion do thy diligence to come before winter the Lord Jesus Christ be with thy spirit grace be with you amen search your hearts this morning what has God called you to do what have you been delaying his answer Service to God is not only always going to come just during the easy times. Sometimes it comes in the hard times, too. But our charge as Christians is to, is to always answer the call. So one last time. It was cold. Paul was in a prison. And he needed a coat. The world needs a savior. Sing one more time with me. My chains are gone. I've been set free. My God, my savior, has ransomed me. And like a flood, his mercy reigns. Unending love, amazing grace. Bow your heads, please, as as the musicians come and the singers come. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this opportunity to serve you. We thank you how you always stand beside us. You take care of us. You comfort us in times of trouble and times of need. And, And may we all in this audience today understand that you think we're important. You think we're important. You gave us important work to do, and you will give us the courage and the strength to do it. And we pray that you'll open our eyes that we can see the blessings that come when we follow your word and we follow your will for our lives. And, and, and it's just so good when, 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 you, when you finally realize, I, I've done what the Lord asked me to do, and he has profited 
from my service. So if there be one in this service this morning that does not know you as their Savior and, and they're still wearing those chains of life that, that drag them down and, and, keep them from, and keep them from moving ahead in life and, and, and being all that you would have them to be, if there is a person like that here this morning, we pray that you will touch their heart, send your spirit inside their heart, and not let them wait another moment until they've come forward to, to ask you to become their personal Savior. Thank you for this church and thank you for all they've done for us. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.